Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the good that it does us. We ask you now to come and speak to our hearts. Do us good. Change us by your spirit so that we can follow Jesus obediently. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yes, better. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Um, I don't know what all the fuss was about. The rain was last week. We, we were down in Canterbury. We had a lovely day. <laughs> we were very blessed on our journey back that we managed to avoid all the flooding. So it's good to be with you this week. Uh, very warm welcome to any visitors. Uh, as James has said, we are working through a series on 1 Corinthians. Um, my name's Andrew, another part of the leadership team. And today we're looking at a very well-known passage in 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul writes, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Amen. It's a very well-known passage. Most people are familiar with this image of the church as the body of Christ. But it's sometimes easy that we take it for granted. Oh yeah, I know that. 
and we can miss what God wants to say to us through this passage at this time. Now, just to set the context, you know I like to do that, set it all in context before unpacking the passage. In terms of the book of Corinthians as as a whole, chapter 12 through to 14, all about the proper use of spiritual gifts within the church. Um, Rod kicked that off last, that part of it off last week, talking about spirituals. Uh, or as we usually refer to it, spiritual gifts. If you missed what Rod said, do go and listen to it. It's online. I listened to it during the week and I thought, he's stealing my lines. So there will be some repetition. But that's not, I'm not going to apologise for that because God really wants us to grab some of these things. Um, We'll be looking at the context within the fellowship of spiritual gifts this week. The next chapter is all about the attitude we should have when using spiritual gifts. And then chapter 14 looks at some specific issues relating to prophecy and and speaking in tongues and how they fit together in the context of orderly worship. So it's part of our, our bigger picture of spiritual gifts. Now, in the Corinthian church, it had a particular context because as we've seen before, Corinth was a, a cosmopolitan city, a major tra- trading centre. It was very diverse in terms of the races, the cultures, the religions, the philosophies passing through it. And that diversity had crept into the Corinthian church and there were a lot of divisions based on factions following this leader or that leader, on class, wealth. We saw the other week how this had even affected taking communion together where the rich would not mix with the poor and on grounds of education and there were some who felt more wise and learned than others so these divisions were spoiling what the church in Corinth should have been and it had spilled over into disagreement over spiritual gifts Um, some were seeing that we've got this gift so we're the best you've only got that gift or you haven't got any gifts and it can easily happen I can remember when charismatic renewal sort of first broke out in, in the, the 70s in my first, father's church there were a group who really caught hold of this and were on fire for a time but then suddenly it was oh, we don't want to mix with them they're not spirit filled and there was this sort of superiority and division and, and sadly, those who had been seeking spiritual things but hadn't got there yet were thinking, I'm not sure I want them anymore if you're going to be stuck up and like that. So these disagreements over spiritual gifts were undermining what the church should have been doing. And to some extent, what this passage is that we're looking at this morning, it's about our identity as a church and as members of that church which shapes how we approach uh, spiritual gifts. Now, it's about who we are, what we do, and how we all fit together. Now, the first thing to notice is actually jumping ahead to verse 27. We talk about one body. What body? Talk about a body of learning 
in universities. We talk about a body of literature by a certain type of writer. We talk about a body of soldiers in the army. What we're talking about here is the body of Christ. And Paul writes quite explicitly, you are the body of Christ. Just let that sink in. You, every one of you, who loves the Lord Jesus, has put your trust in him, are collectively the body of Christ. That means the church is Christ's presence on earth. For 33 years, Jesus walked about the earth, preaching, teaching, healing people, casting out demons. God incarnate in one man, but what that involved is the constraints of being one man. He might be in Capernaum at one time, Bethsaida, Bethany, Jerusalem, different places, but never in more than one place at one time. We, as the body of Christ, as God's people, are all over the place. We're all over the world. Even in such hostile places as North Korea, China, Iraq, Iran, Jesus is present through his people. In this town, in Bungie, in Halesworth, and all the other villages around from where we come, Jesus is present through you and me. We are Christ's presence on earth. And the good news is, the power that was in Christ is within us through the Holy Spirit. Again, take a moment to let that sink in. The power that was in Christ is within us if we have the Holy Spirit and if we let him work through us. But we have to let him work through us. It's like, you know, let see Chris at the back, please forgive my bad language. If you had a Ferrari, it has a most powerful engine. But if you pootle around in second gear, you're not using that power. We have to use the power that God has given us in order to be his presence. In fact, there's some amazing verses in John 14. Always worth reading John 14. Verse 12, Jesus says, Whoever believes in me will do what I have done and even greater things. With the power of God within us, we can do even greater things than Jesus. If we believe. And in verse 14 he goes on to say, Ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, I should explain just getting away from Corinthians at the moment. That doesn't mean you can ask for anything you like, tack on, in the name of Jesus, and you'll get it. Whether it's a Ferrari, a big house, or just free cream cakes. No, it's in the name of Jesus means, for example, when a policeman arrests you in the name of the law, or an ambassador goes to another country in the name of Her Majesty the Queen. 
It means acting in accordance with the will of and with the authority of God. So when we ask for anything that is in line with God's will, in faith, he will grant it. That's the power that we have and can use. It also means we are God's agents for reaching the lost. Great Commission. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Paraphrase to the ends of the earth. In Beckles and Bungie and Halesworth, the Waveney Valley, Norfolk and Suffolk. Come along on the 2nd of November and find out more. We are to be Christ's witnesses. And here's the rub. There is no plan B. God's plan to get the gospel out to the lost is his church. And if we're not salt and light to the world, if we're not doing the stuff that Jesus did when he was on the earth, who else is going to do it? So as we approach this passage, it's important to remember we are the body of Christ. And that's what this is all about, being the body of Christ. And there are four things I want to unpack as we look at it. And I'll explain each in terms. Unity, diversity, interdependency and mutuality. You can tell I like big words. Side effect of doing crosswords. But first of all, unity. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Each one of you is part of the body of Christ. We're part of one body. God loves it when his people live together in unity. And if God loves it, Satan hates it. And he will do everything he can to spoil the unity of the church. Little things that cause niggles, that cause disagreements, that cause divisions, that cause hostility. It's happened throughout church history. Divisions between Orthodox and Catholic, Catholic and Protestant, different denominations splitting off from each other, and even within denominations, different groups. Everyone who loves the Lord Jesus, everyone who believes in their heart that God raised him from the dead and declares with their tongue, Jesus Christ the Lord, is part of that one body. It's a key theme for Corinthians. Right from the beginning, Paul was urging that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Because divisions cause so much damage. And you can have divisions even within churches. A house group sees itself as more important than the rest. No, we're all part of one. Or one person thinks, I've learned enough from that church, or I'm not getting enough from there, so I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go and criticise. It's no, God wants us to be one in unity and love. And that's particularly a unity of core doctrine. He writes the Ephesians, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We agree and have unity on the essential things. 
God is the only God, one in three persons. He created all things. He came to earth taking the form of Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. None of us can save ourselves by our own works. It's all through the redeeming blood of Jesus who died on the cross, paid the price and was raised again on the third day. And if we put our faith and trust in him, we turn our back on the old way, we are saved. They're the essentials. And we agree on those. And we can't have unity with other religions because they don't accept those. So those people who say, oh, well, all paths lead to God, they don't. We have to agree on the essentials, but we don't agree on things like what's the best, well, yeah, are hymns better than modern songs? Or what's the best way to do communion? Should we have it at the beginning or at the end? Or should we eat the bread at the same time? Or pass? They're, they're secondary things. And we kind of disagree on a lot of things. Particularly the one I've never, never really got my head around. Pre-millennial, post-millennial, amillennial. Who cares? We're all going to be with God for eternity. But there are little things we can disagree on without disrupting the unity. So long as we are sharing those core truths where there is no compromise. But we also need to have a unity of purpose. Jesus warned, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So we need to work together and support each other and encourage each other and not go off and do our own thing. As a church, we are committed to serving God and spreading the good news to the people of Beckles and the surrounding area. It wouldn't be any good if a house group would say, yeah, it's all very well, but actually we think our prime purpose should be to care for the environment so we, we, we want all the church's resources diverting into making the place a greener place. Now I'm not saying the environment isn't important, but as a church we have a clear vision of what God wants us to do and it needs everyone to support that to go in the same direction, to encourage each other. And we'll see more of that in a moment. So it's absolutely essential if we're going to exercise the spiritual gifts that we do it in a spirit of unity. But unity is not the same as uniformity. And there is diversity. The body is not made up of one part, but of many. We're all different. Thank goodness. And because we're all different, that means you are the very best you in the whole world. So don't try and be somebody else. I can't imagine anyone does think this, but there may be somebody out there thinking, I wish I had the courage to stand up the front and preach like Andrew. I wish I could be like him. Don't! One Andrew Navy is enough in the world. <laughs> and I'm the best one there is. And you are the best Peter Walker. You are the best James Wilson. Yeah, be who God made you to be. Everyone is unique. 
For you, God created my inmost being. He knit me together in my mother's womb. Think, yeah, fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank you, Margaret. You are special to God because he made you who you are. Because he wants you to be the best you that you are by his love and his grace and his spirit. So, you are unique, but everyone is equal. For God does not show favouritism. And that's why when we talk, for, for example, we talk about leadership teams, it's servant leadership because we're not any more special or gifted or talented than anyone else. We're just playing a different role. Everyone, everyone in this room is equally loved by God. Everyone in this room is equally precious in his sight. He died for you and you and you and you and you and every one of you because he loves you equally. So you shouldn't have a superiority complex. I've got such a good job. I earn so much money. I have such a good education. I'm better than them. Nor should you feel inferior. That, um, the only job I've got in the church is serving the coffee. That's really important. Absolutely. Every one of us is equal, for God does not show favouritism. And everyone, therefore, is important. Paul writes to the Romans, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, far away from God, wrapped up in our own self-interest, self-indulgence, self-obsessions, Christ died for us. He died for me. He died for you. That's how special you are. So everyone is important. And we cannot and should not ever say I don't need you because we are different but we are one all unique equally loved equally important and that's why God's given us different gifts because we are different and we all have a part to play and this works out in the next of the big words I've got interdependency this is relying on each other Everyone has a part to play. And this is that diversity in action. And I love verse 22 of the passage. Those parts that seem weaker are indispensable. So if you're sitting here this morning thinking, I'm weak, I'm, not, I'm struggling, I'm not very strong in God, why would he ever pick me? I am weak. Actually, in the context of this church, you are indispensable. That's why Paul uses this illustration of a body. You know, just because uh, an, an eye is in an ear doesn't mean it's not important. 
every part is important and we rely on every part because we need each other to be complete and every part is essential to do everything to do the whole range of things if the foot should say because I'm not a hand I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body we need each other to be complete I don't know if everyone's seen the film Toy Story, but there's a bit of a gruesome bit with a horrible boy next door who dismembers Barbies and action men and there are body parts all over the place. They're not complete because they haven't got the bits they need. And we need each one to be the complete body of Christ. We're complementary. We work with each other. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? I could perhaps take a, a different illustration of a football team. If all the players are strikers, where's the defending? Gal Southgate's working on that one. <laughs> but you see the point, yeah, if everyone's rushing forward trying to score goals, who's doing the defending? On the other hand, if you've got 11 goalkeepers, who's going to score the goals? Everyone Everyone has their part and they fit together. Imagine going around as just one great big foot. Wouldn't work. But we also need to be cooperative. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. We need each other. Stretch your imagination now and imagine that I've been out for a run. I've run five miles, that really is stretching the imagination. I come back, I'm really hot, it's been a hot summer's day, and I am gasping because I didn't take a bottle of water. I am dehydrating. Water. Which part of the body has the responsibility for the water? Mouth? No, I'm just a receptacle. I'll take whatever's put in. Throat? No, I'm just a channel. Give me the water, I'll pass it on. Well, the water's in the tap. Can you see the tap? Eyes? Yeah, I can see the tap, but I can't get there. Come on, legs, feet, we need to go over to the tap. Yep, I'll get you there. Well, I've got you here. We need the hands, the arms. Every part needs to play its role. And when I get the drink, my whole body benefits. Because the feet have taken me to the tap, which I can see with my eyes, I can turn on with my hands, I can drink through my mouth, down my throat, and, and the kidneys and everything do their bit. And my body is refreshed. The whole body benefits. And if all those parts go on strike, say, no, it's not my job. I'm going to dehydrate and eventually die. And the whole body suffers. Which is why all the gifts are necessary to work together to build each other up. And fourthly, mutuality. That just means what we have in common. Unity in action. Everyone matters. And we show this by respecting one another. That's the whole point of the, perhaps a bit strange thing that that Paul writes, God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it.
the, the, the parts that are less honourable, we treat with special honour. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. That speaks of looking after each other, respecting one another, being aware of each other's weaknesses and caring for one another. We have to respect one another to support each other, to operate effectively as the body of Christ. It means sharing pain. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. We are not called to indifference. So-and-so is ill, let's go and see the doctor. Not my problem. No, we feel their pain. We pray for them. We pray with them. Because we are one body. Anybody who has ever had toothache will know it affects your whole body. You're in agony. It really gets to you. It's only the tooth that's hurting. But the whole body experiences that pain. And so it should be with us as a body of believers. But also we share joy. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. We've had an example of that this morning. Two examples. Lovely testimonies from Carolyn and Jean. And we rejoice with them. We are so blessed to hear of their healing. And thank you, Carolyn and Jean, for sharing. Because that's cheered us all up, hasn't it? Is it great to know that God is working and healing? And it's blessed us all. But sometimes it's a bit harder. It's sometimes easier to, to sympathise with people in pain than to share their joy. I didn't pass my driving test first time, so it's hard when somebody else does. If you have worked really hard and then somebody else gets praised for doing not very much, it's hard to join in that. It calls for grace. It's a, a tale told of a, um, many, many years ago, a holy man who lived in the Egyptian desert. He was known everywhere for his kindness, his piety, his goodness. And a little demon was assigned to bring him down. He tried everything. Temptations, money, no food, luxuries, women, nothing. This man was pious. So this little demon goes to Satan, I just can't get through to him. Satan says, watch this. Goes up to this man and says, Hi brother, I've heard so much of your goodness and your piety. Really good man. And I'm sure you're absolutely delighted that your dissolute brother has now been made Archbishop of Alexandra and the tale goes a scowl of anger crossed the holy man's face because it's very easy to let jealousy creep in and it's particularly so about spiritual gifts if you've been asking God for the gift of prophecy and it hasn't yet come and then somebody else turns up and gives an amazing prophecy it's hard to rejoice in it. It's almost hard to hear what God's saying through that person. So we have to be very careful and recognise that that is a gift being used for the good of us all. So, unity. Each one of us working together, but each different. 
each playing our part, equal in love and in sight of God. Working together, playing our part, supporting each other and caring for each other. And then, at the end, Paul wraps this all up in the application with spiritual gifts. God has placed in the church various gifts. I'm not going to go through them all now. Um, it's a separate series, in a sense, and only if we're going to look at them in detail. And we have looked at them in a high level before. But there is a reason. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, in unity, everyone has a gift to use, because we're all part of that body. Diversity, everyone does not have the same gift. Just as a body is not all eyes or ears or feet or hands, not everyone is a prophet, not everyone is a teacher. But, because of the interdependency, as a church we do need all those gifts. So we all need to play our part, or we might be short of an arm. And God does not want an armless church. Satan does. And the church needs everyone to use those gifts. Now at the moment, we don't see all those gifts being manifest in the church. As Rod said last week, there must be more. And we keep crying out for more and more and more. And that's why Paul wraps up this section by saying, eagerly desire the greater gifts. In, in chapter 14, he gave, it just says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So it's a bit interesting here, he says, the greater gifts. I've already said, all the gifts are equally important. So how come some are greater? It's about the extent to which they glorify God rather than their importance within the church. So as a church, we should be really eagerly seeking healings, prophetic words, things that glorify God more than perhaps administration does. Although, if that's your gift, it's equally important to enable the church to function. Everyone has a gift to use. Not always the same gifts, so your gift is equally important. And the church needs all the gifts and all the gifted, you, me, to use those gifts. So here's some challenges, some thoughts to pray through. Have I grasped that I am an important member of New Life Christian Fellowship? As Joy said earlier, know you are loved and know you belong. Know you are loved and know you belong. You are part of the body of Christ. doesn't get more special than that. And so... If that's something you're struggling with, we want to pray with you that you really know the length and depth and breadth and height of God's love for you and how important you are to us. If you're feeling weak, remember, you are indispensable. Spoiler alert, you are important. should have put that up earlier. Second, 
Am I allowing anything to damage the unity of the fellowship? Am I giving the devil a foothold through unforgiveness or jealousy? Or perhaps it's better to turn that round and say, am I doing enough to promote the good of the fellowship, the body as a whole? Who can I encourage today? To whom can I show my appreciation for what they do? It's amazing how much a word of encouragement or thanks can lift someone. And it doesn't cost much. Everyone can do it. You don't have to have the confidence to stand up the front. It doesn't even, you know, the, the, the courage that some people find it takes to pray out loud. Just tell somebody, thank you for what you're doing. A word of encouragement. Build them up. And thirdly, am I asking God to empower and use me with specific spiritual gifts? Because he's got a job for you. You may not be looking for a job, but he's got one for you. And we all need you to play your part. Looking at it differently, what would New Life Christian Fellowship be like if everyone was a worship leader? be very crowded up here and there'd be a lot of empty seats out there. What if everybody was a preacher? Again, it'd get crowded out here, empty seats out there, and who's going to teach the Sunday school children? Such an important work. What if everybody was on the door greeting people? They'd come in to an empty hall. Everyone has got an important part to play. And just because it may involve being at the front doesn't make it more important. Because just as a foot is different from an eye, is different from a hand, they're all necessary. Um, as, as most of you are aware, uh, Joyce suffers from celiac disease, which means she, has, she can't take gluten. Because the gluten a text, little tiny, what are they called, in the stomach? One? Villi. Villi. Little tiny things. You probably don't even know they exist unless you study biology to a high degree. Invisible. But they are essential. And if they are attacked, the whole body suffers. You are indispensable. So do ask God for how he can empower you with spiritual gifts and enable you to play your indispensable part in this church. And I'll ask the band to come back up and sing a couple more songs. And if you want prayer for any of those things, if you want just prayer for a deeper understanding of who you are in Christ, if you want prayer for more of the Holy Spirit, if you want prayer for specific gifts, and say, there's lots of space, come up to the front, and if you see somebody coming up to the front, come and pray for them. This is body ministry. We can all pray for one another, encourage one another. But God wants to deliver us. Yeah. Sorry? Oh. Congratulations.
Right. Well, well, we'll pray for these people. But let's other people come forward. Other, sorry, in front of the speaker shouldn't do that. Come up to the front if you want prayer. If you see people wanting prayer, come and pray for them. I'll pray for these lovely people. Now, let's just close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made us one body, that you want us to live together in unity. Lord, we thank you that every one of us is important and loved. And Father, we pray that you will pour out your Spirit upon everyone here to equip us and empower us to be the gifted and Spirit-empowered church you want us to be, to your glory. Amen.